And all of God's people said, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jeremy and Amy. Sir Francis Drake was a great world explorer. He sailed around the world several times. And right after his fifth voyage around the world, he got caught, or his ship got caught, in a severe storm at the River Thames when he was almost home. His vessel was tossed about and appeared to be running aground. At that point, this great mariner clenched his fist and he pounded. And can it be that I, who have braved the seven seas and all the danger associated with it, must now be drowned in a ditch. Can it be? Can it be that the man who braved the great Philistine giant, which we saw recently, is now running in fear? Can it be? Can it be any man or woman of God? Can it be that any, anyone here or watching after experiencing great victory, give in because of a temporary challenge in life? Can it be? Can it be that this young man, David, who killed the lion and the bear with bare hands, now fleeing for his life? Can it be? Can it be that this man of whom the women sang, he slayed his tens of thousands, now allow fear to get hold of him. Can it be? Can it be that this man who wrought great victories for the living of the armies of the living God is now fleeing in a sense of self-pity? Can it be? Can it be that this man who witnessed faithfully when he said to Saul, your servant by the power of God, toward the lion and the bear. And who is this Philistine who mocks the armies of the living God? Great testimony. Now he's drowning in a ditch of despair. There may be someone here today, listen carefully please, or maybe watching around the world, who once, whose love for Jesus was for all, with all of his or her heart. But now... They're lukewarm toward him. Once you might have had a great testimony, but now you allowed that testimony to rust. Once you were on fire for Jesus, but then you allowed the cares of this world to weigh you down. Once you exercised great courage, but now you have surrendered in fear. Now, if that was you, please listen to me very carefully. If this is you, or if it's living in time of apprehension, I want you to listen carefully. Because I believe with all of my heart that this week, as the Lord spoke to me, that He has a, wa a word for each of you. The Lord has a word from the Word for each one who's here today. We began, for those who are visiting, that we began the series, A Heart After God, 
looking at this very important historic figure, the king of Israel, David. David gives us an amazing example of courage. He gives us amazing examples to follow in many ways, but then he also shows us a very solemn warning for each one of us in our lives. While he taught us that a willing heart God uses, a courageous life God honors, that God totally protects us when we are focused on him first and foremost. And yet here today, that same David teaches us that defeat comes to any of us and all of us when we allow the flesh to dominate. Fleeing takes over when self-pity sits in. Running away in failure takes over when you take your eyes off the living God. David runs off to the prophet Samuel first. The Lord's prophet, you remember from the very first message, whom God sent to the house of Jesse and said, anoint for me David. That very prophet. He goes there because David, at this moment in his life, needed human encouragement. And beloved, listen to me. All of us need human encouragement. And if you do not have a human encourager, I will encourage you to get one. (laughs) And if you need help, Mike Slaughter over there, he can help you. Come on, stand up in case one person doesn't know you. Just go over and see Mike. He will find you someone to encourage you. We all need it. Or if you want a group, home group, go to TJ. You heard him this morning. But Saul tracks David to where Samuel was. First of all, he sent his servants. He said, you go kill him. But God protects him. You see, I told you, when you're in God's protection program, nobody can touch you. Nobody can harm you. When, because David was in God's protection program, these servants come in and they get into an ecstatic trance. And so when Saul basically said, these rascals, they don't know how to kill him, I'll kill him. So he shows up in person. He too gets caught in that ecstatic trance. What is God doing? He's protecting David. He's protecting him. But here's the problem. Listen to me, beloved. Listen to me. When you are in your fleeing mode, and I'm not talking about physically, when you are spiritually in a fleeing mode, God might be doing amazing things all around you for you. He is doing these great things to assure you that you are in His protection program, but because you are in a fleeing mode, you're oblivious to what God is doing. Can I get a witness? I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. You're oblivious to it. God rescued David from Saul's messengers, then he rescued him from David, from Saul himself. David blinded them toward David. And that is why the Word of God here today is showing us that even great men of God have clay feet. 
just like the rest of us. Hear me right, please. I want to declare to you this day on the authority of the Word of God, and I know it is my testimony, but on the authority of the Word of God, that when God is with you, as He said to Moses, He will ride the clouds for you. He will let His everlasting arms to come underneath you. He will turn the rock into a fountain of water. He will command the ravens to feed you, just as He did with Elijah. He will use Rahab the prostitutes to protect, him, protect you just as she protected Joshua's men. Uh, he will command his angels uh, to pull you out of Sodom and Gomorrah even as he did for Lot. He will command his angels to come down and zip the mouth of the lion as he did for Daniel. He will send his angels to open the prison door just as he did for Peter. And even he may show up himself as he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Amen belongs here. I hope you already turned to 1 Samuel chapter 20. I know it's a long passage, but what's the house of God is for other than reading the Word of God and praying, right? Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 20. David does not stay still with Saul as he should have. He should have stayed there, but he didn't. He panics, and he runs, and he goes to his eternal friend Jonathan. And there he says to Jonathan, what have I done? Uh, what is my guilt? Uh, what is my sin that your father want to kill me. I want you to notice, in case you haven't, have you noticed how many times he says, I, mine, and my, and I want to say, my, my, my. <laughs> Question, how many times at this point when he's talking to Jonathan did he say um, or give his testimony and says, you know, your servant killed the lion and the, uh, and the bear, or look what happened uh, to how God used me to defeat the Philistines by killing Goliath. How many times does he witness here? Zilch. Not one time. Not one time. Beloved, you know and I know that the moment you start feeling sorry for yourself, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Anybody here doesn't know what I'm talking about? Feeling sorry for yourself? <laughs> The moment you start feeling sorry for us, I want you to look out. Just look out. Look out. Snap out of it. Uh, snap out of it. Go back to your testimony. Go back to your testimony. Say that with me. Go back to your testimony. Come on, I want to hear it. And you know what? You don't have to leave the church for you to lose your testimony. You don't have to leave the church to mentally, emotionally, spiritually let your testimony rust. Oh, there are many people who have lost their testimony in the pews. Oh, physically they're there, sure. And I know there's somebody here, somebody watching around the world and they look back and they remember, oh, yes, I remember. I remember. 
You go to church, you go through the motions, and you go to Bible studies, and you even uh, read the Bible, and, and you may belong to a small group. But your testimony has rusted. And only the Holy Spirit of God can polish it. No one can do it. No pastor can help you. No preacher can help you. Uh, no friend can help you. No counselor can help you. Only the Holy Spirit of God. And that's who you need to help you polish your testimony. Would you ask him today? Would you ask him today? Say, Lord, Holy Spirit of God, polish my testimony afresh. In David's case, he, saw, he thought that Samuel could help him. But then he thought, well, Jonathan might be able to help me. And indeed, Jonathan gave him all of the sympathy that a friend can give a friend. There's no doubt about it. And David got some encouragement. But only the Holy Spirit can give the healing. Only the Holy Spirit can renew you from the inside. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Beloved, listen to me. If you are internally on the run, if you are fleeing from the will of God, if you're thinking that you can really hide from God and what God is calling you to do, if you allow your fear and your doubt and your disappointments uh, to break the line of intimacy with God, you, you, you will never stand still. You will never stand still. You will keep on the downward slide. It goes from bad to worse. Look at here. Look at him. Things will slide into downward direction unless and until you make a U-turn. Can I get an amen? Look at verses 5 and 6 of 1 Samuel 20. David asked Jonathan to lie for him. So he didn't only lie, but then he asked Jonathan to lie for him as well. <laughs> and that is why it is not a surprise when you read David writing in Psalm 119.29, remove from me the way of lying. Remove from me the way of lying. You see, beloved, David's greatness is not because he was a perfect man. He was not. But because he recognized his sin, when he was convicted, he turned and wept tears of repentance and turned to the Lord. That's his greatness. He was never perfect. We have seen this in people in public life, you know, when they get caught, they start lying. Shake their finger at the camera. I've never done it. I didn't do it. And it goes down from there. These folks not only develop a siege mentality, but they become paranoid. They go from protecting their public image to an outright lie and then ask others to lie for them. Here David is asking Jonathan to lie for him. What a, what a letdown. From the valley of Elah, when he said, Who is this Philistine? Is mocking the armies of the living God. A downward slide. For all of us who know Jesus, listen to me, for all of us who love Jesus, there is no other way other than keeping short accounts with God. 
The moment you sin, the moment you immediately ask for forgiveness, I can tell you, I, I do this on the regular basis. In fact, my wife, one time we were watching not long ago, something on television, I got so mad, I said something, and I said, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said, honey, I'm sorry too. Immediately. Immediately. Don't linger, because it will build up and gets worse. Have you ever wondered why the reason the Scripture had never provided an armor, a protection for the back? Go home, read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, beginning at verse 11, and you look at all the armor that, that, that are provided. Uh, probably when Paul was in prison and, and here's his guards and he was looking at them and the way they were dressed, and the Bible doesn't provide a protection for the, for the back. Everything to do with the front. Do you know why? Because in the spiritual war, there is no protection for turning back and running away. Only advancing, only conquering, only moving forward. When Julius Caesar decided that he's going to invade Great Britain, and he brought all these ships with his troops coming across the channel. And they, come, they came, and they came to the cliffs of Dover. And they began to climb the cliffs of Dover to go up into Great Britain. And, 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 and he waited until the, his army was about halfway through up the cliffs of Dover. And then he asked them to look down, look down, look down. And all the ships that brought them across the channel were engulfed in flames. He set them alight. He burned the ships. And this is his way of saying, there is no possibility of retreat. <laughs> he wanted the army to know that they can only have one option, and that is victory. And beloved, that's what Jesus wants, have the soldiers of the living army, to have only one, one option, and that's victory. Can I get an amen? amen. Option. The only option is advancing and conquering. And that's what God wants us to do in our private life and in our public life. And that is why there's no, no protection for the back. Now, beloved, listen to me. This is not harsh. This is not heartless. This is not careless. Uh, this is pure love. God promised to never leave us nor forsake us. But when we leave him and forsake him, we bring pain on ourselves. Listen to me. God never moves. Say that with me. God, he never moves. We do. He never moves. And all along, even when we do run away, whether internally or physically or emotionally, spiritually, in any way. The whole time, we're running away. His arms are wide open. Come back. Come back. If you are in a run in any way, if you are retreating, if you stop moving forward, if you have settled in your Christian life, if you have lost your first love, if your heart has been hardened toward the Lord and His will in your life, if you are running in place, 
if you have stopped producing fruit, if you have lost the joy in the journey, if you are just going through the religious motions, listen to me. I want to plead with you. Hear the voice of God calling you. Come back. Come back. I know I'm speaking to someone today. Come back. Come back to the loving arms of Jesus. Come back to the forgiving heart of Jesus. Come back to the waiting Father. Come back to your first love. In fact, this condition of running away and basically never get blessed is described powerfully in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6 of the book of Haggai. He says, you have sown much, but you're reaping so little. You've eaten much, but you're still hungry. You drank lots of water, but you, it's not quenching your thirst. You put on fine clothes, but you're not warm. You make a lot of money, but it have nothing to show for it because it's like there's holes in the pocket and the money's running out. You got nothing to show for it. I don't know what is causing you to be in a mode of inward, inward fleeing from the Lord. I don't know. Only you know. Is it unresolved bitterness, anger? Is it unforgiving spirit? Is it unhealthy relationship that the Lord says it doesn't belong there? Is it unfaithfulness with God's money? Is it sexual immorality of any kind? Whatever it may be, you can never run far enough away from the grace of Jesus. Can I get an amen? You could never run far away, far enough from the grace of Jesus. Look at the latter part of 1 Samuel chapter 20. Jonathan and David sign a contract. I want you to look at this contract with me together. Contract is really very simple. David is going to hide in the field. He's going to hide in the bushes. And Jonathan was going to go home and sound out his father to see if he's really serious about killing David or he's just blowing smoke. That's really what it says, but I give it to you in a vernacular so you understand it. David's standing at a crossroad. Some of you might be standing at a crossroad right now. And you're not sure which way to go. While waiting in the field, in the bushes, David is wondering, will he go home back to, back to his home and his wife, Michael? He was wondering, would he be able to go back to his comfortable and familiar surroundings, or would he become a fugitive on the run, or would he be, have to keep on running into the unknown? Would he face uncertainty? an uncharted water, would he be all alone 
leaving behind all that has become near and dear to him. Look at verses 21, 20, 21, 22. Here is a signal that Jonathan and David have devised together in this contract, this agreement. Which way his father is leaning is going to indicate where those arrows are going to fall. If the arrows are falling in front of the stone Ezel, then it is safe to go home. Come home, David. But if the arrows are going to go beyond the stone Ezel, keep running. You're in danger. It means a separation from Jonathan, separation from his wife, separation from all that is held dear and near to him. Beloved, I know that sometimes something for some, for some of you, not all of us, but for some of you, you're going to have to imagine in your head, how is David feeling at this point, waiting in the bushes to see which way the others are going to land? And yet I know that some of you have stood there outside operating theaters waiting for the result, the result of the surgery. I know some of you have waited patiently, sometimes impatiently, for test results. Some of you have waited for the news that tells you which way you should go. You understand a little bit of how David, he was waiting He's watching. He was hoping, and he was uncertain. And as the three arrows fell beyond the stone Azel, his heart nearly stopped beating. He can only imagine. His stomach was knotted in a hundred knots. His whole future just passed in front of him. Can you imagine? his feeling of despondency, his feeling of discouragement, disappointment, and uncertainty as he stood there in the bushes. Where do I go from here? Now, beloved, listen to me. I don't think that I'm doing violation to the Scripture when I tell you that you can easily view the stone as hell as you view the cross of Christ. Before the cross, there is a worldly kingdom to which we belonged and in which we lived. But after the cross, beyond the cross, there is a separation from that world, and only Jesus. What, that is why the Apostle Paul could say, I only glory, that is, I only brag in the cross of Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I'm to the world. To glory in the cross of Christ means that you can say with Henry Light, that's L-Y-T-E, Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow Thee, destitute, despised, forsaken, though from hence my all shall be. Perish every fond ambition, all I have sought or hoped or known, yet how rich is my condition, God and heaven are still my own. Amen. 
You may be experiencing some circumstances totally out of your control. Totally out of your control. And you may be just like David at this point in his life. The arrows have been cast beyond the stone as ill for you. The arrows of losing a loved one. The arrows of deteriorating health. The arrows of financial reversals. The arrows of betrayal by the nearest and the dearest. The arrows of children that deeply disappointed you. These are arrows that have fallen for you beyond the stone of Azel. Perhaps no one else can feel that not nothing in your stomach, but let me tell you this morning, God does. God does. You are trying so desperate to hold on to something or someone, but it has been snatched out of your hand. Your heart is clinging to that which is ripped from you. The arrows have landed beyond the stone of Azel for you. The arrows have landed beyond your preferable target. The arrows have landed where you have nothing and no one except God, but He's everything. In this case, I want you to remember, I want you to remember, like David, God is leading you onward and upward. Amen? God is supreme above all your current circumstances. God is supreme above all your current surroundings. God is is destining you to the throne. Did you know that? Say it with me. I am destined to the throne. You are. I hope you believe it. Some of you kind of mumbled it because you don't believe it, but for those of you who believe it, say it with me. I am destined for the throne. God is working His purposes out in you. Oh, but listen. Listen. Sometimes you're going to reach the throne by way of the cross. God had prepared a throne for David, but it's going to be beyond the stone, Israel. God has prepared a throne for you. So don't judge your future by the present. Don't judge what God has for you by what you're going through now. Please, please, let me plead with you. I can tell you, you know, those of you, if you're visiting, it's news to you, but those members who have been hearing me for a long time, they know that I testify to the power of God. I testify to the glory of God and sometimes to my shame, and that's all right. I'm testifying to His amazing grace. The good thing about when you get old, you don't give a ding-dong what people think. (laughs) You know, that's... (laughs) As long as you please Jesus, because you're closer to seeing Him anyway. <laughs> and, and that's a great freeing spirit. I thank God for this time in my life. I love it. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but I can tell you that in my life, I've been there several times. When I watched the arrows fall beyond the stone is ill, three of those times my precious wife and I had to follow these errors and leaving the familiar and the comfortable. Listen to me. I am here to testify to you. 
with all of those puzzlements and all of those apprehensions, with all of those knots in the stomach, with all of the, yes, confusion and anxiety at the time, with all of that fear and uncertainty that accompanied us as we watched those arrows fall on the other side of the stone, Ezel, we have fully trusted in God. We have fully trusted in God who will never fail us. We fully trusted in the God who asked us just to trust Him. In fact, you, the greatest honor you can give God is to trust Him when you cannot see a way out. And here's the testimony. We found Him. We found Him in all these years to do exceedingly, abundantly. Say it with me. Exceedingly, abundantly, and beyond what we could imagine. What a great God we have. What a great God we have. Give God glory. Give Him glory. Amen. There are prayers that I lifted up many years ago, never answered. Do you know that today, every single day, I remember to thank God for not answering those prayers. One of the early verses that we, I taught our children as I was driving them to school in the mornings, those many years ago, you try to memorize different verses of the Scripture. One of those that really left an indelible mark, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Now, beloved, all your ways means whether the arrows fall beyond or before the stone as ill. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your ways. Now, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are, whether you're in a fleeing mode or not. If you are, turn around. Turn around now. Some of you are puzzled and apprehensive and concerned, lest the arrows, you don't know where they're going to fall, and you really don't want them to fall beyond the stone as hell. Some of you are anxious and worried and Lest the arrows land beyond the stone of Azel for you. Let me ask you to stand up. Everybody, stand up to your feet. And then I'm going to ask all of you who want to say, Lord, I trust you no matter what. Get out of your seat and come down here as we pray together. I want you to come up and say, Lord, I thank you that I am destined to the throne. I want you to publicly declare to heaven and earth and to everybody else, testify, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you with all my heart. Jeremy's going to be playing for us in a minute. But as you're coming down, I'm going to recite those things together. Jeremy, will you lead us in a song as my brothers and sisters start coming down?
There's no doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit brought you down here. So I want you to say with me, Lord, I will trust you. Lord, I know I'm destined for the throne. Lord, I'm publicly testifying that I trust you with all of my heart. Father God, only the Holy Spirit can do his work in us. Precious Lord Jesus, I praise you. I thank you. I glorify the name of Jesus over above this place, over above every individual life, family life that represented here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are the one who can do exceedingly abundantly and above and beyond what we can imagine. And I pray in the name of Jesus for these precious brothers and sisters who stood here declaring their trust in you, we knowing that you will never disappoint them because that's not who you are. And Lord, I pray that you will begin to show us some glimpses of answer to prayers because we pray them in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Give God praise. Give God praise.